Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. In 2022, New Orleans was facing a rising wave of violent crime, including a surge in homicides that led the city to be dubbed America's murder capital. City leaders were desperate for a solution, so they turned to a technology they had previously banned, facial recognition. This is Politico privacy reporter Alfred Eng. City council members and local businesses and the mayor uh, of New Orleans were, you know, frustrated that we have this tool that's available to the Louisiana State Police. It's available to uh, police in our neighboring counties and things like that. But we as New Orleans police cannot use it because we banned it in 2020. So the city council voted to lift the ban on facial recognition with some conditions. It could only be used for violent crimes and police would have to track when they use the technology and whether it actually helps to catch the right criminals. This is Politico Tech. It is Monday, November 6th. I'm Stephen Overly. The fact that New Orleans is now the rare city in the country to actually keep this kind of data is what attracted Alfred's attention. I think the main takeaway of this story is that after a year's worth of, you know, conducting facial recognition in New Orleans, the data shows that it hasn't really been effective at solving crime. On the show today, Alfred explains what the rest of the country might learn from police work in the Big Easy. New Orleans brought back facial recognition, as you said, and, and allowed its police force to start using this technology about a year ago. You know, what happened after that? Yeah, so they they started using the technology pretty quickly after they were allowed to use it again. So the law to lift the ban happened last summer, I believe, either late July or early August. And then there was kind of like this little buffer period of like, how do we figure out uh, the processes for this? Um, and by October it was up and running and then their first search happened, I believe on October 21st, 2022. And it was a request to help identify a black man suspected of a shooting by matching surveillance footage that they got with a database of mugshots. Um, the results were basically saying, you know, we couldn't match it. The, the quality of image of the surveillance footage was was way too low uh, for us to make any matches on this. So over the next year, the the results would be you know extremely similar to this. There were fifteen matches. Uh, no, I'm sorry. There were fifteen requests for facial recognition in the last year, and fourteen uh, out of those fifteen were for black suspects. Um, showing that, you know, a majority of this technology is being used on black suspects in New Orleans, where, you know, something like close to, I think it's either high 80s or low 90% of all these facial recognition requests were for black suspects when the racial demographic of New Orleans is 58% black. Uh, So it just, there is definitely a racial disparity here in the use of this technology in New Orleans, you know, adding on top of the concerns around the the effectiveness of this technology as well. And so the instances you talked about where the technology sort of failed to match, failed to match these suspects with images in the database. I mean, is that because the technology was ineffective? Is that because there just wasn't an identical photo in the database? Like, do we have any insight into why the technology didn't work? 
Yeah. In a lot of these cases where they don't make a match, you know, sometimes they list a reason why. Sometimes they list a reason why there's a false positive as well. So I'll give an example of each one. So in many of the cases where they don't make a match, it'll say something like photo quality is too low. And, you know, that, that that's not an indictment of facial recognition itself, right? If If you send in a photo of a potato to them and it doesn't make a match, that's not really the facial recognition technology's fault. Like it's, it's just, you know, we don't have a photo in our database of a potato to match with this, right? Like that's, and you know, so sometimes you can blame the quality of the surveillance footage itself. And sometimes these false positives, when it does make a match, it can be because of just a bad tip. And that's exactly what happened in one of these cases where, you know, there, I believe there was a shooting or a homicide and somebody handed over a photo. So this is like a pretty high quality image. They handed over a photo of, of somebody and saying like, this is, this is the person. And it made a match in the database. And, you know, then they investigated further and they just kind of realized, oh, this is actually not the person that was even involved in this crime at all. We just got a bad tip. So there are, arguments about the effectiveness of facial recognition technology, specifically when it comes to racial bias. We've seen a lot of studies in the past about how this technology is not is less effective for people of color because the algorithms are trained um, more on, you know, people who are white than people who are black or uh, Asian or, you know, any other ethnicities. And that can contribute to a lack of accuracy for people of color. But sometimes it's just policing efforts that that um, lead to these faulty matches. Right. It's the, the humans in the equation, not just the technology, for sure. You know, I, I was surprised that New Orleans really only requested the use of facial recognition in these 19 cases. Ultimately, 15 of them, it was actually used. What did you make of that? That number, were you surprised by that at all? I was a little surprised that they only used it about 19 times or made requests for it about 19 times this year. But when you think about the restrictions that were put in place, that kind of makes sense. After the ban was lifted, they actually, the city council actually had a separate vote added to it. Uh, uh, this was a new ordinance that was basically saying you can only use facial recognition for violent crimes um, or, or felony level crimes. Um, and, you know, they also had some limits of saying, you know, you can't use this to see who had visited a, an abortion clinic or, or you know, a protest or anything like that. So they, they did put in a lot of restrictions on what it can be used for, and that could have contributed to the low count or low use of facial recognition in the last year. Because, you know, I've been covering facial recognition for some time now. And, you know, I've seen incidents where the NYPD uses facial recognition. And they're referenced in this article, you know, they they, they actually did give some numbers uh, about how often they use facial recognition in 2019. And they were saying that they had 9,850 requests that year where they their facial recognition made 2,510 potential matches out of all of those requests. But I've looked at NYPD facial recognition requests, and a lot of them are for, for like small things. It's like somebody shoplifting from, from like a, a pharmacy or, you know, somebody who stole packages out of a mail room in an apartment building. So I think that's kind of the difference, right? In a city where 
And obviously, New York City is a much larger city than New Orleans is. But when you can use it for for anything, then you, you're probably going to get numbers that are that high. And then when you limit it for uses, like you can only use this for a, a violent crime and you, you're only getting 19 requests, then that makes a lot more sense to me when there are, you know, restrictions on this. That's I think that's so fascinating because, you know, you have cities like New York that are using and, you know, and embracing facial recognition uh, quite heavily. You have cities like San Francisco, for instance, that have banned it completely. It, it just it, sta- it stands out to me, I guess, that New Orleans seems to tr- be trying to find a balance between those two of not not unfettered use of this technology, not banning this technology, really using it when they think it it makes sense. Um, although, as, as your reporting shows, it may or may not actually make sense then in practice. But I wonder, how, you know, how could what we've seen play out in New Orleans change kind of this debate around facial recognition and law enforcement? I think that it will definitely contribute to the debate on the effectiveness of this technology because we haven't really seen this in any other city or anything like that. No other city has really tracked the effectiveness of facial recognition. And, you know, New Orleans, even though it's only about 15 requests, I think it does help show that, you know, this is not a technology that is going to be helpful if you want to change the overall trend of it. And I think that is also reflective And a lot of the language that we see around facial recognition constantly, you know, a lot of police departments, when they say, you know, hey, we need facial recognition or facial recognition is helpful, they'll point at these, you know, anecdotes and they'll point at these use cases, right, where we helped find this missing person or we helped find this guy who was involved in a shooting. And, you know, New York City, for example, they a a couple years ago, there was a guy who left like a bunch of pressure cookers around subway stations and, you know, there's very much concerned that the, these were these were potential bonds. They found him. They found him using this, the city's facial recognition network. And New York City, the NYPD, you know, talked that up a whole lot, right? About how this is this is a great tool for protecting, you know, the citizens of New York and things like that. I'm not taking anything away from from the use of that technology. But I think that if you're talking about we need this technology to combat an overall trend, like we have so much violent crime and facial recognition is going to help with that. I think that this study in New Orleans is going to counter that narrative, right? Where to say, actually, it you can point at, at like single cases at where, where it has helped, but I don't think the evidence is there to say that this helps with overall uh, crime trend rates, which is what they're marketing it on. Well, that's what's so interesting to me is like this idea that, you know, the some of these cities are not necessarily tracking the effectiveness of this technology, which if you're going to deploy something that is so um, controversial, potentially problematic, you know, tracking the effectiveness of it would seem like a no brainer. And yet uh, a lot of cities aren't doing that. And, you know, that you know, I do think that there's a transparency story here to some degree as well with New Orleans, because they do track this and they do, you know, disclose this. Obviously, you were able to get at least some of the data here. Uh, why is this not available other places? I think with New Orleans, they were particularly concerned about it because of an exchange that happened during the vote when they were trying to get facial recognition to come back, Right. Uh, city council members were asking the New Orleans police chief, okay, if you're saying that this is so helpful, if you're saying this is so beneficial for for uh, fighting crime, 
where are the numbers? Like, can you tell us incidents where this has, you know, helped resolve a crime? How often have you used it? You know, please provide any kind of statistic to back this up. And the New Orleans Police Department, they they couldn't give an answer. They were just saying, you know, we've been, so they had been using it since at least 2018. And they could not give an answer on, on its effectiveness. They could not give an answer on, you know, its error rates or, or anything about it because they weren't tracking it. So I think that that definitely sat with some of the city council members after the ban was lifted, which was, okay, well, if we are going to do this, we should like be able to track this and be able to revisit this debate a year later. Um, because I think, I think a big part of the push for it was very much, well, let's find out, you know, let's, Let's actually track this and let's let them use it and, and see what the results are. And now we have those results a year later. And you could make the argument that like a year's worth of searches is not enough time and we should keep tracking it to figure it out. But yeah, I think that was a big part of why New Orleans instituted this tracking requirement. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. Well, I wonder if we broaden the scope here a bit, you know, facial recognition, the uses in law enforcement are, are maybe some of the most problematic and contentious. But I mean, this technology is used, you know, increasingly uh, across the board in more places, even even basic applications like on our phones, right? You know, using uh, scanning our faces to unlock apps and things like that. Where do you see the privacy debate around facial recognition headed as this all becomes more common for us? I honestly see the privacy debate headed towards, you know, how does this affect public expression and free speech? I don't really want to give away a a future story that I'm looking into. But basically, you know, think about people who are protesting. And, you know, in the past, if you are protesting, you know, it's not like you were protesting with like, hi, my name is Alfred on it or anything like that. And I work for Politico, right? It's it's just, I'm showing up to, to, you know, demonstrate my support for a cause or something like that. And now with facial recognition, it, it is so easy to just say, it's like point a camera at a crowd, use facial recognition to say, okay, this person is Alfred, this person is Steven, and this person is, is so-and-so, right? And then you can use that to, to basically go online and you know data brokers will sell information on on if you have a name on somebody voter registration records are out there you know that will list my home address or something like that and i think that that you know facial recognition is this connecting bridge to basically identify anybody in public and you can make the argument that you know well you're in a public space and and you don't have a right to privacy but i do think that there is a difference between you know me publicly volunteering my information and somebody just knowing everything about me just because they saw my face. Um, So I think that is the next natural evolution of concerns about facial recognition is not just law enforcement use, but, 
just use from anybody. There, there are like facial recognition tools that are just off the shelf tools that anybody can use. And people do have malicious intent a lot of times, and they can use that to identify anyone in public in a way that will hurt their lives for potentially, you know, innocent behavior or anything like that. So I think that is the next stage of privacy concern for me is, you know, not having the ability to be a private citizen in public settings. Well, these concerns about facial recognition have been around a while now, and lawmakers at the federal level are certainly aware of them. You know, some have proposed potential solutions, nothing that has actually passed. I wonder if you see that changing at all, particularly there's so much focus right now around AI regulation. Is there is there any chance at the federal level that some of these privacy concerns might get addressed? I have actually seen a very significant shift in recent years on potential uh, facial recognition legislation. So around 2020, you know, 2019, there was actually a lot of concern about this. There was a lot of bipartisan concern about facial recognition. And a lot of the legislation were uh, banned focused, right? It's it's like, let's put a moratorium on this technology. Let's ban agencies from being able to use it. For whatever reason, I think that it is often difficult to challenge law enforcement policies in regulations, uh, especially in an election year. So those laws never really made it through. And then last year, I started noticing a rise in kind of compromises of those laws. So instead of saying we want a full ban, it's like, well, let's limit it, right? Let's say that you need a warrant to use facial recognition or facial recognition can't be used in places of protest um, or it can only be used for violent crimes and, and it should be tracked. Um, so we've gone from, you know, let's ban this completely because we think that it, it is, you know, a controversial technology and hurts privacy and it's also inaccurate and can contribute to bias um, in policing to, well, okay, well, let's, let's put some limits on it. You guys can definitely use this, but you know, you can only use it for like certain things. So we'll see where that goes next. But as far as legislation, that's like a, a full out ban on facial recognition. Uh, I think that the train has left the station on that. Got it. Well, listen, Alfred, I know you'll be continuing to cover this stuff closely, so we'll check back in with you at some point. But thanks for joining us today on Politico Tech. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow.